Chapter Four of the Little Colonel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Little Colonel by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter Four. Mom Beck was busy putting lunch on the table when the Little Colonel looked in at the kitchen door. So she did not see a little tramp carrying her shoes in one hand and a basket in the other, who paused there a moment. But when she took up the pan of beaten biscuits, she was puzzled to find that several were missing. It beats my time, she said aloud. The parrot couldn't have reached them, and Lloyd and the dog have been in the parlor all morning. Something has just notchly done spirited him away. Fritz was gravely licking his lips, and the little colonel had her mouth full when they suddenly made their appearance on the front porch. Aunt Sally Tyler gave a little shriek and stopped rocking. "'Why, Lloyd Sherman!' gasped her mother in dismay. "'Where have you been? I thought you were with Becky all the time. I was sure I heard you singing out there a little while ago.' "'I've been to see my grandfather,' said the child, speaking very fast. "'I made mud pies on his front steps, and we both of us got mad, and I throwed mud on him, and he gave me some strawberries and all these flowers, and brought me home on Maggie Boy.' She stopped out of breath. Mrs. Tyler and her niece exchanged astonished glances. "'Baby, how could you disgrace Mother so by going up there looking like a dirty little beggar?' "'He didn't care,' replied Lloyd calmly. "'He made me promise to come again, no matter if you all did tell me not to.' Just then Becky announced that lunch was ready and carried the child away to make her presentable. To Lloyd's great surprise, she was not put into bed, but was allowed to go to table as soon as she dressed. It was not long until she had told every detail of the morning's experience— while she was taking her afternoon nap, the two ladies sat out on the porch, gravely discussing all she had told them. "'It doesn't seem right for me to allow her to go there,' said Mrs. Sherman, "'after the way Papa has treated us. I can never forgive him for all the terrible things he has said about Jack, and I know Jack can never be friends with him on account of what he has said about me. He has been so harsh and unjust that I don't want my little Lloyd to have anything to do with him. I wouldn't for worlds have him think that I encouraged her going there.' "'Well, yes, I know,' answered her aunt slowly. "'But there are some things to consider besides your pride, Elizabeth. "'There's the child herself, you know. "'Now that Jack has lost so much, and your prospects are so uncertain, "'you ought to think of her interests. "'It would be a pity for Locust to go to strangers "'when it has been in your family for so many generations. "'That's what it certainly will do unless something turns up to interfere.' Old Judge Woodard told me himself that your father had made a will leaving everything he owns to some medical institution. Imagine Locust being turned into a sanitarium or a training school for nurses. Dear old place, said Mrs. Sherman with tears in her eyes. No one ever had a happier childhood than I passed under these old locusts. Every tree seems like a friend. I would be glad for Lloyd to enjoy the place as I did. I'd let her go as much as she pleases, Elizabeth. She's so much like the old colonel that they ought to understand each other and get along capitally. Who knows, it might end in you all making up some day. Mrs. Sherman raised her head haughtily. No, indeed, Aunt Sally, I can forgive and forget much, but you are greatly mistaken if you think I can go to such lengths as that. He closed his doors against me with a curse, for no reason on earth but that the man I loved was born north of the Mason and Dixon line. There never was a nobler man living than Jack, and Papa would have seen it if he hadn't deliberately shut his eyes and refused to look at him. He was just prejudiced and stubborn. Aunt Sally said nothing, but her thoughts took the shape of Mom Beck's declaration. The Lloyds is all stubborn. 
I wouldn't go through his gate now if he got down on his knees and begged me, continued Elizabeth hotly. It's too bad, exclaimed her aunt. He was always so perfectly devoted to little daughter, as he used to call you. I don't like him myself. We never could get along together at all, because he is so high-strung and overbearing. But I know it would have made your poor mother mighty unhappy if she could have foreseen all this. Elizabeth sat with the tears dropping down on her little white hands as her aunt proceeded to work on her sympathies in every way she could think of. Presently Lloyd came out all fresh and rosy from her long nap and went to play in the shade of the great beech trees that guarded the cottage. I never saw a child with such influence over animals, said her mother, as Lloyd came around the house with the parrot perched on the broom she was carrying. She'll walk right up to any strange dog and make friends with it, no matter how savage-looking it is. And there's Polly, so old and cross that she screams and scolds dreadfully if any of us go near her. But Lloyd dresses her up in doll's clothes, puts paper bonnets on her, and makes her just as uncomfortable as she pleases. Look, that is one of her favorite amusements. The little colonel squeezed the parrot into a tiny dog carriage and began to trundle it back and forth as fast as she could run. Ha, ha, screamed the bird. Polly is a lady. Oh, lordy, I'm so happy. She caught that from the washerwoman, laughed Mrs. Sherman. I should think the poor thing would be dizzy from whirling around so fast. Quit that, chillin. Stop your fussin, screamed Polly, as Lloyd grabbed her up and began to pin a shawl around her neck. She clucked angrily, but never once attempted to snap at the dimpled fingers that squeezed her tight. Suddenly, as if her patience was completely exhausted, she uttered a disdainful, Oh, pshaw, and flew up into an old cedar tree. Mother, Polly won't play with me any more, shrieked the child, flying into a rage. She stamped and scowled and grew red in the face. Then she began beating the trunk of the tree with the old broom she had been carrying. Did you ever see anything so much like the old colonel? asked Mrs. Tyler in astonishment. I wonder if she acted that way this morning. I don't doubt it at all, answered Mrs. Sherman. She'll be over it in just a moment. These little spells never last long. Mrs. Sherman was right. In a few moments, Lloyd came up the walk singing. I wish you'd tell me a pink story, she said coaxingly as she leaned against her mother's knee. Not now, dear. Don't you see that I am busy talking to Aunt Sally? Run and ask Mom Beck for one. What on earth does she mean by a pink story? asked Mrs. Tyler. Oh, she is so fond of colors. She is always asking for a pink or a blue or a white story. She wants everything in the story tinged with whatever color she chooses. Dresses, parasols, flowers, sky, even the icing on the cakes and the paper on the walls. What an odd little thing she is, exclaimed Mrs. Tyler. Isn't she loss of company for you? She need not have asked that question if she could have seen them that evening, sitting together in the early twilight. Lloyd was in her mother's lap, leaning her head against her shoulder as they rocked slowly back and forth on the dark porch. There was an occasional rattle of wheels along the road, a twitter of sleepy birds, a distant croak of frogs. Mom Beck's voice floated in from the kitchen where she was stepping briskly around. Oh, the clouds hang heavy and it's gone to rain. Farewell, my dying friends, she sang. Lloyd put her arms closer around her mother's neck. Let's talk about Papa Jack, she said. What you pose he's doing now way out west? Elizabeth, feeling like a tired, homesick child herself, held her close and was comforted as she listened to the sweet little voice talking about the absent father. The moon came up after a while and streamed in through the vines of the porch. The hazel eyes slowly closed as Elizabeth began to hum an old-time negro lullaby. 
wonder if she'll run away to-morrow whispered mom beck as she came out to carry her in the house who'd ever think now looking at her pretty innocent face that she could be so naughty bless her little soul the kind old black face was laid lovingly a moment against the fair soft cheek of the little colonel then she lifted her in her strong arms and carried her gently away to bed End of chapter four recording by maria therese